Realtor.com is making a stand for buyer representation, and you can too. Join Realtor.com in sharing the list of 111 things buyer's agents do. Visit Realtor.com slash buyer agent toolkit to help spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. The commission split business model to me, when it started out, you know, like in the 1970s, I think, is when, you know, like Remax and some of these firms that have been around forever, the commission split model made a lot of sense because access to information, you know, wasn't readily available. So, you know, didn't they couldn't go on Zillow. They couldn't access listing information. So, like my parents would circle houses in the newspaper because... The way you found access to information was through brokerages. So brokerages had a lot more tasks to do for the agents back then. I think when Zillow launched, it kind of changed the industry more than people want to admit. And so over time, I think the brokerage role has changed. And a lot of people haven't rethought the relationship between broker and agent. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Belt, Editorial Director of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts join Tracy to share trends, their secrets to success, and the lessons they learn navigating this ever-changing industry. Before we begin, here's a word from our sponsor. The real estate market changes every day, and these shifts are causing more confusion and fear than ever. What consumers really want is an expert who can connect the dots and explain their options. Simply, and effectively. Keeping Current Matters is changing the way agents educate their clients by giving you trusted insights that build confidence and timely marketing content that helps you stand out from the competition. Keeping Current Matters makes it easy to be the market expert so you can spend more time on what matters most, your clients. Visit trykcm.com forward slash realtrends to learn more. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where we speak to the brightest minds in real estate about leadership, business growth, trends, and strategy. I'm your host, Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends. Today, I'd like to welcome Sam Sawyer, CEO of Pinnacle Realty Advisors. So welcome, Sam. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, I, I want to first have you kind of introduce yourself to the audience and um, talk a little bit about your business model. I know you, you. I read your site. You say you offer kind of a sponsorship and white label platform that allows agents to control their brand and access a suite of services through your platform, Pinnacle HQ. So, talk to me a little bit about your business model, how you, how how it came about as well. Yeah. So I uh, got my real estate license when I was 19 years old, when I was still in college um, and just started helping friends. And I played lacrosse in college. So helping teammates and friends find apartments to rent. And then when I graduated, I started working at a Sotheby's firm in Dallas, um, stayed there for four or five years, and then left there with two other agents and started kind of a boutique traditional boutique commission split brokerage firm in Dallas called The Collective that was eventually acquired by Compass um, and then was a founding agent at Compass in Dallas and we helped launch Compass in that market. Then left there after about a year and spent a couple of years in Silicon Valley working at a fintech mortgage startup called Zero Down and um, 
And while I was there, just kind of had some ideas about building kind of a new brokerage model. And Pinnacle was what came out of that, just kind of flipping the you know traditional brokerage model on its head, building something with fixed pricing, um, all online, and really thinking about a brokerage as like a service or a product and not traditional, you know, brokerage mentality with commission splits and kind of just the things that are prevalent in the industry that have been around forever. So that's how we got to where we are today, but happy to talk more in detail about Pinnacle or wherever you'd like to go. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about what differentiates you from maybe like a Hauser or some of the other kind of tech forward um, platforms. Do you have salaried agents? So get a little deeper into what your what your model yeah. looks like and differentiates you. Yeah, so with us, we're really focused on kind of reinventing the relationship between agents and the brokerage. So our agents are still traditional 1099, you know, agents. Like we're very similar to you know, all of the big firms uh, that are kind of the dominant firms in the industry. The main difference with us is there's no commission split. So we don't get involved in taking any of the agents commission. And our revenue model is set up where we, we call it brokerage as a service. It's just kind of a term that we've been using, but there's multiple different membership plans that agents can use. So when they sign up, we take their credit card and we charge their card every month. So it's similar, you know, like paying for Spotify or other subscriptions mm-hmm. in your life. Um, so the agents have a fixed price every month, whether they sell something or not. And when they do sell something, they get to keep 100%. So we don't get involved, you know, in taking commission splits or anything. Um, so that's kind of the sponsorship side of the business. And then we also kind of have a behind the scenes services side where, we offer website building services, social media management services, um, lead generation services. And instead of just saying, you know, these things are included as part of your commission split, we just let the agents kind of choose what they would like, you know, to purchase. And it's just kind of everything is very clearly priced. There's no kind of like gray area on what you get and what you don't. Um they pay for what they want. And then if they don't want to use our services, you know, they're, they can go use whatever they want. So we kind of think about it like we're, we're there to help with whatever they need, but we also give the agents a lot of freedom and control. We don't, you know, force people to use certain vendors or mortgage partnerships or things like that, that a lot of firms kind of go into these vertical integrations. Um, so really just trying to build something that is very low cost, but still very high service. And then this marketplace side of the company that's, if you're familiar with like Upwork or something like that, we kind of think about it. It's like, it's like Upwork for real estate agents in a way, but they can find anything they need to run their business. And so it gives them a lot of choice, but also a lot of support. So that's kind of how we think about it differently. Okay. So more of like a flat fee is what you, yeah. And so um, when you, when you look at that, how are you handling like compliance and that? Cause you have a virtual model, correct? Mm-hmm. So the events, um, you obviously have to have a broker of record in the state. So tell me how that works with compliance. Um, and, and how many States are you and how many agents do you have? Yeah, for sure. So we started in Texas and now we are in 
Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Florida, and we're launching North Carolina and a few other states uh, right now. And so we, all of our brokers are employees at the company. So we don't use like third-party licenses or other broker services. So the entire company is fully remote. We we're technically headquartered in Dallas because that's where our like corporate HQ is. And we have a little office there, but we have employees um, in San Francisco, Bozeman, Montana, Dallas, Austin, and then even over in Europe and Lithuania. And so on the compliance side, we have a broker of record that's a salaried member of our staff in each state. And then the way that like operations works, we have this virtual office tool we've built called Pinnacle HQ. Um, but in terms of day-to-day function, we use SkySlope and tools, you know, that are pretty common in the industry. Like we're not trying to rebuild tech from scratch, like Compass and some other companies have done. We're kind of taking an approach where if there's a tool that works really well, we'll use that. And then we're trying to just build this virtual office marketplace tool just to have better access to tools and partners and things like that. So we're trying to just make access to tools easier, find cutting edge partnerships for our agents, um, and really just thinking about it like that instead of rebuilding everything from scratch. Okay. Um, and do you, who is your ideal agent? So really, uh, we're about to eclipse 500 agents. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. So we have a wide range of agents. Um, when we started, you know, the first 50 agents were obviously the hardest. Um, but now we've got a few different sponsorship plans where we'll take, you know, brand new agents that are coming out that just got licensed um, all the way up to we have this white label product that we've launched that is geared more towards, you know, top producers or higher end agents that want total brand control. Um, so that, that product's really taking off, um, that we're super excited about, but yeah, we kind of, uh, the way we're thinking about it, we have products that kind of suit any agent. We don't, we don't want the firm to be pigeonholed into like a certain part of the market. Like some firms, you know, are known as luxury firms. Some are known as, you know, not, you know, mid-level or nationwide firms. Um, we really like to think we have a product that can kind of meet an agent where they are in their career. And then we even have people that have joined as just like on the most basic plan. And then, you know, three months later, they launched their own brand on our white label product. So it's been kind of cool to see people, even though we've only been around a short amount of time, kind of go through that process on the different products and things. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you have a sub stack and I've read a couple of your articles on there and, um, the one, the domino one, you talked about yeah. current legacy models and that they're not sustainable. And, um, you said you met kind of the traditional brokerage that hasn't changed their model in years. So I want to expand on that. Um, because even some of the newer ones are now over 10 years old. So, um, Talk to me a little bit about why you think they're not sustainable and what you see as the brokerage of the future. Um, obviously, you're going to say your brokerage is the broker of the future, but I want no, no, I, I give a general answer on that. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think it's, it's, it, this isn't a zero sum game. Um, <laughs> but the commission split business model to me, when it started out, you know, like, in the 1970s, I think, is when, you know, like Remax and some of these firms that have been around forever, the commission split model made a lot of sense because 
access to information, you know, wasn't readily available. So consumers, you know, didn't, they couldn't go on Zillow. They couldn't access listing information. So the way, the way commission switch became a thing is, you know, agents, brokerages wanted good agents, but they couldn't pay them because real estate transactions are so inconsistent. So the commission split thing made sense. Um, brokerages back in the day, I think traditionally used to provide a lot more service. Um, there was a lot more overhead to market properties. You know, I'm only 36, but I remember, you know, when I was in high school, like my parents would circle houses in the newspaper because the way you found access to information was through brokerages. So brokerages had a lot more task to do for the agents back then. I think when Zillow launched, it kind of changed the industry more than people want to admit because access to information, like when I was an agent for you know a decade, my clients you know knew just as much about listings as I did. And so over time, I think the brokerage's role has changed. And a lot of people haven't rethought the relationship between broker and agent everyone's kind of just kept iterating small things on the brokerage model. Like, you know, it seemed like for the past five or six years, everyone was fighting over who has the best technology. Um, and then now you're even seeing companies like Remax and some of these companies lay off their whole IT department and just making partnerships with like KV core and some tech providers that are just general in the industry. And so, I think that's one theme. I think, you know, over time, commission splits between agents and brokerages have gotten more competitive. So the brokerages revenues aren't as great as they were probably a decade ago, just because the splits, you know, splits used to be like 60, 40, where now they're getting up to like 85, 15 or 90, 10, even at these like full service firms. So over time, the service has deteriorated, whether people want to admit it or not, <laughs> because when you're not making as much revenue, something gives. And so what frustrated me about being at traditional firms is there's no set level of service. So like the commission split, you know, you're supposed to get all this service because you're an agent at the firm. But what really happens is, you know, if you're a higher producing agent, which I was, you know, you could tell you got there's there's political things involved, like top agents get better service. And so over time, I just don't see how the commission split model is sustainable because the brokerage revenue is so lumpy. They only make revenue when there's a successful transaction. And so right now, you know, the market is changing a lot. Brokerages lay off staff when revenues go down. So like when transaction volumes decelerate, in theory, the service gets worse, but the splits stay the same. And so I just don't see if you're looking a decade out from now as commission splits become more and more competitive and there's more models like ours that are lower cost, how the legacy business model survives. And I'm not saying Pinnacle is like a winner-take-all company by any means, but I do think it becomes hard to compete with with companies like ours where our our biggest expense is our staff um, and we can spend a lot of money on great people. And so I use kind of this story. It's like, you know, a lot of the new age brokerage firms on the surface, they look a lot differently, but you know, when you really look at them, they're still commission split firms. So it's, 
it's kind of like when someone flips a house, <laughs> they buy a house, they don't really change the foundation. So the foundation in me is kind of the commission split business model, but they add, you know, services and make the brand look great and all these things. But really at the end of the day, you're still buying like a flipped house with, you know, a bad foundation. When people ask me how, how does, you know, how do y'all make money? How does this work? I'm like, well, we've literally built the company completely differently and agents don't necessarily need to think about that or understand it. But, you know, we don't have even on our P and L like office rent and we don't have these huge infrastructure and overhead costs. And then also I think the way that we're thinking about kind of the tech side of our business and kind of that partnership side, we're not trying to staff all of that up internally. So You know, like if someone comes in and needs a logo made or a website, we're trying to make partnerships with other great companies in the industry where, you know, maybe we only make like a revenue share on some of the services we're providing, but we can provide a better service at a lower cost because we have, we're kind of thinking about everything we do as a product. So like when you pay for something, you expect a certain level of service. So we're trying to remove this gray area that's been in the industry to me for a while on this the commission split is a gray area it's like you don't really know what you get for the split um and a lot of agents at these firms that say they provide all this service the service is deteriorating and so the agents have to go spend this money outside of the brokerage you know if you go ask most top producing agents they have you know marketing firms they work with or assistants or virtual, you know, transaction coordinators. Um, And so that, yeah, I just don't, I really don't believe a decade from now, the commission split as a revenue model will be the, the dominant way the industry runs just because I don't see how as splits get more competitive, how the, the industry, you know, how they survive. And we're not someone that's trying to like disrupt the commission split. I want to say that because a lot of people think like, oh, are you a low fee listing firm? It's like, no, we think agents are going to be around way longer than most people think. So we're trying to reinvent the relationship between the agent and the brokerage. Um, our agents can charge whatever commission they want. We don't have, we kind of just let them choose whatever is legal. So some firms, you know, if you want to cut your commission split to sell your friend's house, you have to get it approved by your manager or something. We're just kind of giving the agents the freedom that's legal and we'll let the market decide, you know, in certain cities, you know, 6% is common in a lot of Texas cities, but like, you know, in some big cities in California, it's like four and a half, five percent 5%. So we just kind of go with whatever is normal in the, the market, but the agents have total control over that. So we're not a low fee discount firm. We full service, just really rethinking the agent broker side. We, We're not trying to rebuild like home search from scratch or become like this huge consumer brand. Um, Like to me, it's almost like we're a B2B type platform where the agent is our customer and we're just trying to build the best platform and product and service for the lowest cost. But yeah. No, that makes sense. And, um, you know, what with the the Sitzer commission um, case is going to trial in February um, and, you know, I interviewed Rob Hahn, who's an industry consultant, and he said, worst case scenario, brokerages lose 30 to 40 percent of their business. So what are your thoughts about that? Um, 
is this your way of kind of protecting yourself from that? Or, um, you know, what do you, what are your thoughts on the impact to the industry? If, if any, yeah, I mean, I, I track that case closely, like I'm sure a lot of other brokers do. Um, I would, we would, that would benefit us a lot just because our model is set up for agents to have fixed cost and all these things. So if that happens, great. That it's not something I thought about when starting this business at all. Um, I really just think it's a better way to run a company where you have these fixed subscriptions. It's better for the company. Um, it's a better way for us to operate because you can kind of plan revenue and like invest in the future smarter as a business owner. But it's also just better for the agents to run their business where they have control over their, you know, it's just like any other business. The agent knows exactly what they pay us every month so they can plan things out. And on average, an agent, if they switch to our platform and do the same number of transactions, they make about 40% more money. Um, so, like, yeah, I think that case is super, super interesting. I think our company would benefit a lot if that changed. Um, but I don't like bank. I don't think like that. I don't, you know, I'm not like trying to predict the future. I'm just trying to make the present better and hopefully it becomes the future kind of ideal. Yeah. And um, do you find that, um, so what, how many levels of subscriptions do you have? You said three. So we're testing out a lot of products right now. We, we actually just added, we updated our pricing plans on our website, but we have three kind of like pinnacle sponsorship plans, or if you just want to be under the pinnacle brand, and then we have three plans that are like various white label plans. And so certain states have different rules around the white label branding. Um, but yeah, so state by state, we'll have those same plans. Um, it's similar to side on the brand, you know, side, the company. So our white label product is similar to like what their business is, but ours is still just like a subscription based version. And then we're also, you know, we're not staffing up and doing a lot of the things side does as part of their model. So we kind of it's more like an open source version of that where we provide the branding freedom and the fixed cost. So if you're like a 10 person team that launches on our white label platform, it's really priced like a software product. It's per person pricing. So if Tracy team launched in Florida with us, we would just charge you a per agent fee per month. And then you can build your business if you wanted to have your agents on commission splits. We kind of enable enable people to like build their own brokerage in a way, but we're doing all the heavy lifting compliance wise, payments, documents, just all the stuff that agents hate doing. Um, like they want to do the brand, they want to sell, they want to be the celebrity. We'll do all the boring paperwork and all the stuff that everyone hates, but we'll do it for way cheaper. Um, and probably better service. So for your um, partnerships with mortgage and title and that, um, do you have any specific JVs or, or are you basically allowing like, just, is it local where you have some preferred vendors or talk to me about how that works with core services? Yes. So on um, like in our pinnacle HQ product that we've built, we do have a whole section like this vendor search engine. But really, we probably have everything in there as we're building this out, except mortgage and title. Okay. Just because we kind of, to me, when I was an agent, um, you know, everyone has their local person or, you know, firm that they like to work with. So 
I never see our company having like a JV where the agents, you know, are being forced to use a certain thing. Um, I would love as we build out this Pinnacle HQ product more that, you know, maybe there's five or six different companies that we have, you know, relationships or partnerships with, and then the agents can choose. But I, I think it's interesting as most of these brokerage firms get bigger and they look to add other revenue streams, everyone starts launching title and mortgage partnerships. And I think that's fine. I don't think it's that interesting or innovative. And I think everyone just kind of starts copying each other because people have done that in the past. But if you're an agent at one of these firms and you're constantly getting pushed, you know, like, hey, use this mortgage company, use this. The agents don't receive that well. And then you get, you don't like, when I was at Sotheby's, we had a relationship with a mortgage company. Even though I liked that mortgage company, I felt weird telling my clients to use that sometimes because then the client, even though you have to sign all the disclosures and everything, the client still feels like you're getting some benefit out of that. So it's, I don't know. I never want us to be like forcing the agents to do anything they don't want to do. So we, we'd rather have multiple partnerships and, you know, multiple options instead of saying we have an exclusive partnership with X. I think there's a lot more ways to create ancillary revenue with this marketplace product. And that's something I'm super excited about where if we can really figure out this like Upwork for real estate agents idea, our attachment revenue just on the business could be way bigger than we would ever get from mortgage and title alone. Um, like I'd love for this in six months where if you were a freelance designer, if you wanted to, if you wanted to join, you know, the pinnacle HQ marketplace as a vendor, you could join and, you know, you basically can just get business out of that. If an agent of ours, Hey, I need a website made for this new development I'm doing. You know, you could say, Oh, Hey, I'll do that for $500. And maybe we make a 10% fee off of that. that that's kind of how we're thinking. Like, how can we provide better service and think about different ways to make revenue that's not just mortgage and title? I want to switch gears a little bit. You know, you are expanding in a time when a lot of brokerages are, some of them are making a lot of local moves. Obviously, there's no, you know, the big uh, private equity and those, uh, the big guys are out of the M&A right now. They're not really buying firms at this point. Probably won't be until mid to 2023, if then even. Um, but there are a lot of walkovers, a lot of local M&A going on. But I've also talked to a lot of brokers who are cutting costs. Um, a lot of them do have um, occupancy costs that you said you, do, you don't have. Um, but what are some of the strategic moves that you've made so that you can thrive through this market right now? So we, you know, we're a super young company. We, we are backed by some venture capital firms. Um, and so we've raised some money recently where we're fortunate to have a lot of capital to invest right now in growing our staff and launching these new states. But really, I'm super excited about the market slowing down uh, just for personal reasons for our business, because being a new company the last two years, when we talked to a lot of agents, it's hard to even get their attention because they've been so busy with transactions. And, the, you know, even the ones that are interested in what we're doing the last year and a half, they're so busy. They're like, they can't even switch brokerages. 
And so what we've realized the last kind of 60 days is we're starting to onboard, you know, more agents than we ever have um, just velocity wise, because people have time to switch, but really they're realizing, you know, that the transactions are decelerating like 30% in some markets. And so they're watching their paychecks, you know, go way down. So like, that's why our cost, you know, our value proposition comes in Um and so, yeah, we're trying to grow a lot right now because of what you're saying. The legacy brokerages, agents are starting to question more than they ever have. Why are they paying all these fees and things? And so we're really trying to take advantage of that while other people are um, just trying to stay stay afloat in a way. Um, I think there's a lot of like super local kind of traditional firms in cities that we're going to have a really hard time over the next couple of years. So I don't know. We're, we're excited about a chance to grow just because our model is kind of set up to thrive. But um, I do think there's a lot of other like large companies that have just grown irrationally over the last couple of years because it's been easy to access capital. And now their business models are not holding up in a low transaction environment. Um, you know, even companies that I respect a lot, but, I think it'll be interesting. I think the next year there will be more things changing in the brokerage side of this industry than there have like in the last decade. So, Oh, I agree. I, a lot of innovation comes out of these markets. So I will be so looking forward to seeing, you know, what the next iteration yeah. of real estate brokerage is and, and um, you know, just like what you're doing. So it's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my final question is just what's next for Pinnacle? Yeah. Right now we're just super focused on launching new markets. I mean, as we, we think about next year, we'd probably like to be in 10 or 15 states by the end of next year. Um, and really just spending a lot of time on this Pinnacle HQ product, testing a lot, you know, having fun, kind of learning. Um, we're still at a stage where we can make changes to things, you know, in a day. We don't have to have lots of meetings to make decisions, which is the fun part. But we are trying to get to a point where we kind of, you know, make some progress over the next three, six months and then really start launching more markets. Once we feel, you know, comfortable kind of with operations side and just our like company side of the business. But um, we, we do have a lot of people on our team that come from the real estate industry. So I think that's kind of an advantage compared to a lot of other companies that are pure tech focused founders and things like that. Um I think we have a really good balance where we have a lot of smart, you know, engineers and product people that come from the tech background. But the core strength of our team is that, you know, people have been agents and sold brokerages before and been a part of big companies in the space. So I don't know. I think it's interesting that some of the companies in the space right now have people on their leadership team and they've never been agents. And I think we're kind of a, which sounds crazy to say, but we have a lot of real estate agents on our team or former agents um, on our team. I'm kind of, I'm kind of building what I wish I always had that I never found. And I was an agent and, you know, top producer and 30 under 30 in AR. So, I, I mean, I have a lot of experience and never really found um, something that I loved. So trying to build that with this and I think other agents will, will like it too. Well, Sam, thanks for uh, for sharing um, your vision and your your model with us. We really appreciate you coming on the Real Trending podcast. Yeah, this has been great. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. So thank you very much. 
Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. And we will see you next week with more news and insights.